Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you on this Monday? Wonderful, wonderful. All right, all right. All right. But do you, do you see the weather prediction? Even though, I don't, even though I don't believe weather reports anymore, <laughs> you know, that's one thing it's doing. We're supposed to believe everything. Oh, but, but they backed off on uh, global warming, yeah. so we have to worry about globalism. But they said we were going to get 100 today, yeah. and I am predicting we won't. Uh, I hope you're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, feel like I, was, I feel like I was but, out in the Dust Bowl when we got a little bit of rain over the weekend. If it does hit 100, I, uh, I remember 100 days in the past, and the world didn't come to an end. <laughs> so. But today we're not going to talk about the weather. We're going to talk about the weathering a uh, foreign policy, yeah. which we have dedicated uh, in a major sort of way. Uh, the uh, uh, you, you know the Institute for Peace and Prosperity figuring that our foreign policy isn't something that we endorse. We yeah. want to change it. We we uh, would rather take our advice from the very many implications of what we at least stated. Uh, you know, in the Constitution and by the founders, because the advice was very strong. Stay out of entangling alliances. Well, we haven't taken very good advice on that, and we've been, uh, you know, at this up, at this attitude of having an empire and its endless spend, spending. But the reason we'll talk about it today is just, uh, I guess, a couple of days ago, uh, late at night, on Thursday night. Passed the uh, 2024 National Defense Authorization Act, uh -huh. and uh, well, this is big, uh, a big deal. It's uh, 886 billion dollars, wow. and it was back and forth and back and forth. But uh, it's exactly uh, the amount that uh, Biden requested, so he got what he wanted. There were a lot of people didn't care; they still wanted to raise it, and a lot of, I guess, most of those wanted were the uh, Republican that we want to spend more and more money on peace and prosperity by spending more money and stealing more money from the American people. But uh, right, right now, it looks like uh, that this will have to because it is not perfectly written like the House version. Uh, you know the uh, the the uh, uh, modification and the uh, supervision of the spending, watching the spending, uh, that uh, that has not been resolved, and they're still uh, they're still wondering about uh, you, you know a couple other various points, but they have to agree with it over the abortion issue, mm. and this whole thing. So that that is not the case. So that will go, even though it's been the well, House and the Senate, it's one of the the big bills, I think, uh, because not only in nominal terms, but in uh, in uh, in terms of uh, the importance of it. But you know, interesting enough, you know, I always predict it'll end because we'll run out of money. But there's a there's a race right now. Which is going to be the biggest money for uh, our, our uh, militarism or the money we're paying for borrowing the money for yeah, our militarism? Yeah, really. And uh, <laughs> and once you and it's we're at the point now where the uh, interest on the payments to run this foreign policy is growing faster, and it will be the the big thing. So I think you know everybody has their favorite things to look at for the economy, and the economists have a lot of different things they do just to distract. They never look much at the, at the Federal Reserve. But I think if you have one one item to look at, if you could get an accurate measurement of real debt, 
you know, they can hide debt and obligations, all these different things. But if you know what the real debt is, that will be the limiting factor because uh, ultimately, even though uh, it should have really challenged the dollar already, it's constantly charged, uh, you know, challenging the dollar because that means prices are going up. Yeah. And so that's the case. So uh, we'll be watching that at least. But I just thought uh, t today, Daniel, this, this, was, this is a big bill. It's yeah. related so much to what we tr try to do and get information out. But I would say the vote, which was, you know, 86 to 11, we didn't do a very good job. Yeah. But I still am optimistic that if the people really knew what was going on and really knew what was going on in our foreign policy, they'd have a different attitude. And we'll talk a little bit about the, uh, you know, nonsensical things that they do in our foreign policy. Yeah, the one word that comes to mind when I think of this bill is sleepwalking, because they continue to go on pretending as if we're absolutely the top dog, our empire is unchallenged, spending a little bit more money will shore up our empire. And in the meantime, as we see now, increasingly, our weapons, our training, everything that we spend the money on that actually should defend us, we're seeing it fail before our eyes in Ukraine. And so you're wondering, where is this money going? What's happening to it? The other thing, and I'll put on that first one if you can, the other thing about this that struck me is it's so classic DC. Because you remember, we talked about it on this show, the big deal about the budget uh, you know, ceiling, the spending ceiling, all this and that. Well, the debt ceiling deal, okay? That was going to really save us. So even though this bill authorizes a record $886 billion in military spending, well, that's okay because that was the agreement set in the debt ceiling talks, 886, so that within that, but as Dave DeCamp points out from antiwar.com, this, this is the little loophole, Dr. Paul. Hawks in Congress, and that would be both parties, are planning to increase that figure even more by passing, quote, emergency supplemental funding, which is not limited by the debt ceiling deal. And you would say, absolutely. I mean, if we're in an emergency, who can deny them funding? Who can count how many emergencies there are? There's always going to be one and that's why that whole uh debate pseudo debate had very little meaning yeah but in spite of all this negative talk uh in on our program today <laughs> uh the vote in the house was a little bit better it was two two nineteen to two ten yeah when it passed the house so that means uh, and they're they are closer to the people than uh, i think the senate generally speaking uh so they're, they're getting the message, and I think they're feeling it harder, uh, you know, the average person of, of their pocketbook. I think they are catching on that when we're shipping so much money outside and we're having so many more problems here. If you listen to the president, it, boy, he, he talks pretty good. Things don't yeah. seem to be that oh. bad, you know. Bidenomics. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the people aren't buying into that, so that's going to con continue. And we will, uh, of course, point out a couple things that, uh, you, you know, where we have pretty good evidence that you shouldn't be overly optimistic. You already have one. <laughs> They're not, the, the debt limit doesn't even do any protecting. No. And, and they can always cancel. Well, let's look at the nay votes because looking at the yay votes in the Senate won't help us much because, as you point out, Dr. Paul, the vast majority on both sides, it was a bipartisan vote, voted yay. But there are some good nays uh, on the Republican side especially. We, I was uh, happy but not surprised 
that Senator Paul voted against this bill, this massive bloated bill, and Senator Lee from Utah voted against it. And I was slightly surprised but pleased to see that J.D. Vance from Ohio, the third Republican to vote against the bill, and it's nice to see uh, some Democrats, it would have been nice to see more, but you know, I think, the, I think the House vote was more along party lines, Dr. Paul, whereas you're seeing here quite a few senators uh, cross party lines to vote no on this, uh, which you have to say, regardless of what motivated them, it's to their credit to have done that. But the other thing that's not such great news is that Senator Paul attempted to introduce two amendments. He introduced them, he attempted to pass two amendments. If you put this next one up, uh, if you can, so an amendment introduced by Senator Rand Paul to require audits and investigations of Ukraine aid failed in a vote of 70 to 28, with only Republicans supporting the measure. So every single Democrat voted against any kind of audit on this. The Senate also rejected an amendment to establish a lead inspector general for Ukraine in a vote of 51 to 48. Now this was interesting because there was a procedural move in the Senate because they knew they were going to lose this uh, to require a three-fifths majority on this rather than a simple majority. So uh, on that second one, I think it was good because Senator Paul came very, very close uh, to getting that inspector general, which you have to ask, why don't you want to know where the money's going? <laughs> you know, why don't you want to know? Well, I don't, I don't think what they want to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, they might know, but they have to know that to hide it. They just don't want the people to know what's going on. But I think that's where it's inevitable they will wake up and they'll have to figure out that it has to be related to what the government is doing and that spending is a big deal. The, the big issue though, why that, that logic doesn't work is that everybody has been conditioned over many, many decades to see what they get from the government as being very legitimate and it's theirs and, and you have other places where you're supposed to cut. But when I did the campaigning nationally, I always tried to say, well, why don't you just start with uh, corporate welfare and why don't you start with uh, you know some of this militarism around the world? Uh, but uh, and, and there were a lot of people that responded to that. But no, they they uh, are, are are conditioned because they're afraid to death. Well, if the Democrats get into trouble, how often will they resort to Republicans are going to do away with Social Security? You yeah. know, and uh, even though not too many of them could be able to stand up for it and say no, we need to double it. You know that sort of thing. They uh, but but the sense that they might lose it. Uh, you know, but they, but they they don't use the argument that stop the food stamps to the corporate ripoffs, you know, in the military or the pharmaceutical industry, and at least you could work in, you know, work out of it if you just start cutting, yeah. uh, it would work. But that doesn't happen. They write, they paint the worst picture, and then the, the people get frightened and tell the member of Congress, you gotta vote for it, you gotta yeah. vote for it. Yeah. Well, here's a good tweet on Senator Paul's uh, amendments, if we can put that next one up. And I was just searching around. I, I, Nick Sorter, I don't know him. Apparently, he's, he's been published, whatever. But he still, he, whatever the case, he has a good tweet. Um, he says, the U.S. Senate once again blocked Senator Paul's effort to require audits and investigations of the tens of billions that the U.S. taxpayer has given to Ukraine. You could say probably $150 billion, actually. <laughs> he continues, this comes just one month after the Pentagon's $6.2 billion, quote, accounting error on 
Ukrainian aid. Yet the majority of both Democrats and Republicans still refuse to provide oversight. As a reminder, just last year, the Senate passed a bill to hire 87,000 new IRS agents in order to deeply dig into the finances of everyday Americans. <laughs> you can't audit the money being printed for Ukraine. Why do you think Congress won't allow Ukrainian aid to be audited? And I love this because he says, yeah, they'll audit every single one of us and hire 80,000 yeah. to do it, but they won't <coughs> audit this $150 billion to Ukraine. But, you know, I think we lose twice. So, of course, they take the money, they buy this and say, we have to send more weapons. Military industrial complex has to have a life too, you know. So they, they do that and send the weapons. But then it's not over. You know, does it do what they claim it's going to do and bring about victory? No, things get worse over there. And what happens to the weapons? Uh, they, they go into the black market. And I've always been so cynical. I say, you know, who knows? Some of those weapons are going to be used against us someday. Yeah. And it happens more often than anybody wants to realize. And they just shift them around. I remember when Hillary had a few troubles when she was working on Libya, uh, how yeah. the weapons quickly went to Syria. Oh, yeah. You know, moving them around wherever we can find our loyal uh, fighters and keep them going. Keep the weapons going. Yeah. Well, here are a few things that, you know, where this military money is going. And you ask yourself, does any of this help America? I think the answer would be no. Here's the, the next one I had, which is that we wanted to talk about Taiwan a little. U.S. announces $345 million in unprecedented military aid for Taiwan. So some of this money being spent is spent to poke China, try to get China to react, try to get China to do something tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of miles from the U.S. We've got to get Taiwan ready for war with China. This is where the money goes. Yes, and... This, this is a belief they think that uh, money can solve all the problems that, that they create. Uh, but the, the biggest thing is, is they started from a philosophy of uh, it's great to have an American empire. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't call it that, but it's, a, it's a, America's need, uh, you know, to spread our wonderful message of democracy and freedom and liberty. And it, it nauseates me when I thought and uh, would have to listen to some of those members of Congress talked you know and it sounded, it sounded so wonderful oh, yeah. but it was it was all just a con game and uh, the, the system the system that we operate with and all this stuff is is really a con game it's dang, so often it's painted in a picture of patriotism you know if you don't do it you're not a very good uh, patriot and uh what what, what we re really need more is maybe a little bit more common sense but how, how about diplomacy i you know, you don't want diplomacy to mean have a better United Nations and all this stuff. Stay out of the entangling alliances and having decent, honest people going and representing the views of what America is about. But they, but they, they say those words. Yeah. They will use those words. We have to have our American interests protected. You know, we might run out of oil someday, which isn't true. Uh, so therefore, we need to get the oil in Syria. Yeah. So uh, we just happen to have been able to do that. We we never, we were, during the war, people say, what war were we at? War against Syria and stole their land and stole their oil and are we still doing that? Well, it just happens to be true. Yeah, he did for sure. <laughs> well, here's another thing I think you had about Ukraine, about this Pentagon spending. Now, it's not directly under the NDAA, but it's part of it, which is that the Pentagon approves hazard pay for U.S. troops in Ukraine. 
Uh, actually, that one's not the one. That's the next one that we're going to do. For U.S. troops in Ukraine, you say, what? I wrote about this uh, in today's uh, Ron Paul Institute uh, website. They say, well, hold on a minute. U.S. troops in Ukraine? What are you talking about? U.S. troops in Ukraine? Hmm. Is that an inconsistency? Can we, can we mark that down as an inconsistency? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, you know, the, uh, a lot of people think that we aren't as involved as we think. But it's the names, the CIA, aren't they militarized? Yeah. And, and what about the special forces? Oh, oh they're, uh, they're generals and colonels and all these things. They just take off their uniform and they have, uh, you know, clothes on to go out there. And, and they're the ones who really run the show and do all the planning. But that came out, uh, it shows how they infiltrate on that and get involved is the way that it was on the Crimea Bridge. You know, uh, yeah. uh, Seymour Hersh had another article on this second go around, but he, he came really <clears throat> down hard on that. It wasn't like, you know, the Americans maybe have been involved and we have to check that out. <laughs> he, and, and he has a reputation of not being challenged very often. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> that's true. <clears throat> well, the other thing we talk about, what's the U.S. empire involved in? Well, um, Niger is big right now, and I predict it's going to get even bigger. And I don't pretend to have the answers. I'm not an expert on the region. <clears throat> However, we do know a couple of things if we put that next one up. Um, which is that there, ha uh, if we go back one, yeah, thanks. So we know there's been a coup. We know that the president, Bazoum, has been temporarily at least overthrown. He's being held in the presidential compound. Uh, it looks like in a military coup to overthrow him. The U.S. has called for his return to power uh, and has condemned the coup. Uh, but again, it is the other issue which I have highlighted, and thanks again to our friend Dave DeCamp, he makes a point that the U.S. has over a thousand troops and a major drone base in Niger. I did not know that. I could have guessed it. But so here we are. We're in trouble. There's a government there obviously friendly to the U.S. They allow us to keep a thousand troops and a drone base there. And all of a sudden it's overthrown. What's going to happen next? You know, I was having an interview the other day with a friendly uh, source, and they, uh, uh, you know, uh, were friendly toward my beliefs. I was talking about foreign policy and started talking about the coup, mm -hmm. you, you know. <clears throat> and not that there was a single coup possibly in Niger. I was said, you know, th that's a tool we use. And a uh, matter of fact, in an article about uh, Niger, uh, and there was a statistic there that caught my attention because it's more incestuous than I ever believed. They, they found out that in, in, since 2008, we participated in West Africa in 10 coups. Oh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it, but the uh, people that were doing the interview, this seemed so shocked. Yeah. Really? That much? <laughs> you better be accurate on this sort of thing. But that was... Uh, that that is uh, you know constant you know it's the it's the coups and the lying uh, <clears throat> and what has to happen for this to get started and continue until the bankruptcy is that, that uh, you, you know, you have to be serious about this, and the seriousness can, can be pointed out by the slogan, uh, you, you know, uh, treason. Uh, treason is uh, 
you, you know, when when you tell when when you when you start uh, treason, tre yeah. treason is uh, to defend an empire yeah. because you have your the the lion and all has to be. Uh, but if you tell the truth, that becomes treason. Yeah, you know, you absolutely. cannot tell the truth. So they live on lies and they make these stories up to scare the people. And it looks like it's domestic as well as foreign. You know, this whole idea that when you have the erosion of liberty, that it's going to be in certain segments. So with one industry here, one industry here, maybe a school district here. No, it, it becomes universal. And when what we've seen going on now, uh, you know, on wokeism, it's, uh, it's been pretty, pr pr pretty universal, but also we see signs that there's going to be some challenges yet to come on all this nonsense that's going on, the sacrifice of liberty and what they're trying to replace it with. Yeah, and in Niger, things get heat up very quickly, Dr. Paul. Uh, and now some of the things this coup government has done, they call it, you know, junta, what have you, France has condemned it. France is furious. They are literally ready to go to war with Niger. And let's put this next one on because this is from our friends at Zero Hedge. Niger suspends uranium and gold exports amid rumors of imminent French military intervention. Now, the French don't have enough on their hand trying to overthrow the Russians. Um, they're now actually going to invade Africa, it appears. And why would they do that, you'd say? I mean, who cares? Well, actually, they care a lot if you put this next one up. This is a tweet from Mint Press News, a good source of alternative news. And they say, the shipment of uranium to France has been stopped by the new military government in Niger. More than 50% of the fuel French nuclear power reactors used is derived <coughs> from, from Niger's uranium. Niger overall provides 24% of the uranium imported by the EU. So all of a sudden, France is looking around at their former colonial empire and realizing, because they get a huge amount of their electricity and energy from, uh, from nuclear, now all of a sudden, the, uh, uh, all that little stuff is gone. You know, it seems like th that answer out there about trade versus war makes more sense. Because, uh, you know, you, 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 uh, you, uranium is a serious uh, commodity and I have to be careful. So, you know, when you sell it, it's sort of like the Soviets, Russians trading with Europe and having pipelines. And some people, for mysterious reasons, they have to blow them up because they want more power or various reasons, which t if, if you're a sensible person, you just seem to be bewildered at a time. Here, why do they have to do this? Why, you know, because I, I believe in the peaceful use of uranium for, for electricity. It's, it's, you know, cleaner and all that instead of cutting, closing down all electric, all electric units that we have now that you can't use your stoves in the house. And it, it's crazy stuff just because they reject the notion that you should work out trade with people and get along with people. But uh, there's always a special interest that uh, was competing, competing through those commodities for power and uh, profits. But there's also the issue of blowback from meddling because you now the French has been meddling in Niger for so long and now all of a sudden when there is a switch of government, there's some blowback to saying, hey, no more uranium for you. We're, t we're sick of you guys coming here and meddling here. But, but if they understood trade, the value of the trade, and the people say, yeah, we like this idea of trade, 
uh, it, it seems to be a tough sell, but it, it shouldn't be. Yeah. You know, that's why I always wonder why we don't do a better job worldwide getting people to understand the value of trade versus the value of uh, coercion and force and war and uh, who, who's going to be the most powerful empire around. Yeah. That's the problem. Well, a couple more quick things about Niger, and we're going to keep watching this, but there really is a possibility of a wider war here, because if you put this next one under France, it's chomping in the bit. We've got a thousand soldiers there in a drone base. We're not going to sit by idly. Now, here's a, a publication called the Iran Observer. <coughs> the Iranians are certainly interested, <coughs> and they report that Algerian news outlets today wrote that, quote, Algeria will not sit by idly while an invasion of a neighboring country takes place, end quote. This could pave the way for Iran and Russia to supply arms to the military junta in Niger via Algeria in case of invasion. Now, Algeria is still, I'm sure, stinging after being under the French brute for so many uh, decades and having only acquired its independence in the early 60s. So they're saying, listen, France, you can, you're not going to invade Niger going over Algeria. We're not going to sit here and watch the region be destabilized. But here's one more interesting little um, tidbit about it that makes it a little less cut and dry, as these always are. And this is Nick Terse, who, who often does good, good work, and I, I certainly respect his writing. Now, he makes an interesting point, Dr. Paul, uh, and he writes in The Intercept, the Niger coup leader joins a long line of U.S. trained mutineers. Oh, yeah. And you see on the left how it started June 23. Here he is meeting with the U.S. military official. One month later in July, he's standing behind the mutineers. So you do have to wonder what really is going on there. I don't even pretend to know, but there's a lot of different factors. But, but, you know, there's chaos over there, as you, as you point out, there's, it's not easy to turn on the switch and also of a sudden have trade. But I always thought, as a member of Congress, that, uh, you, you know, the, the, the protection of the Constitution of Liberty was a serious matter. And what they, what they do is uh, they, they uh, avoid, you, you know, they should avoid getting involved. It's, you know, th that's a mess over there. And this whole idea that selling uranium uh, to countries and, and sharing and uh, same way with gas with Russia and the Europeans, it makes sense, but they're not likely to do it. But we shouldn't be unnecessarily getting involved. We don't have the authority. And generally speaking, uh, we, d we don't do well this way because, you know, we're not exactly uh, a country that operates internationally, uh, with, uh, you know, in an honorable way. Yeah. You know, they're out there for it too. <clears throat> but a, a uh, you know, a solution to this, you say, well, we can't get involved in over there <clears throat> because it's such a mess. I think just back off, you know, and uh, because especially the United States could could do that and say we don't. We want to trade. We want to get along, and trading is great. Trade with people, less wars. <clears throat> but if if they if they do that, uh, you know, America could get by. I mean, it's uh, other countries could get by too. But uh, they, <clears throat> a, lot of, a lot of people just don't have enough confidence or understanding how markets work and why a free society is so much better than uh, a warring society. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Amen. 
Well, the last thing we noticed is kind of interesting, and we, you know, this is uh, this is going around a lot. You know, RFK Jr. We put on this next uh, tweet, and I believe this individual is uh, certainly is a supporter of RFK. But she, uh, Lori Spencer, she tweets out, RFK Jr.'s request for Secret Service protection was backed by 63 pages of documented threats. This is a quote from RFK. Biden and the DNC are vilifying me with the most odious defamations that might reasonably incite violence while simultaneously denying me the security to which I'm entitled, is what he said. So he, he is asking for Secret Service protection. He's backed it up with 63 pages of threats against him. And Mayorkas, if you can go to the next one, he wrote him a letter in response saying, not going to happen. Based on the facts and recommendations of the advisory committee, I have determined that Secret Service protection for RFK Jr. is not warranted at this time. Now, there are a lot of other factors, Dr. Paul. I think there's a provision for protection from 120 days out. But that has been waived, I think, for Obama. I think for Teddy Kennedy, interestingly enough, when Teddy ran way back when. Uh, and it's been waived for a couple of other candidates who could demonstrate that there was a threat against him. So obviously that was ignored, this demonstrating of a threat against him. And now he's not going to have that Secret Service protection as he campaigns. You know, to me this is just an expression of unnecessary vilified fear of the truth. And <clears throat> Robert Kennedy's out there saying it. And he has views that we like, and he's imperfect as so many others are. But he really is, uh, you, you know, annoying the establishment and the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. And I, and I, uh, I, I keep thinking of the, the new party they want to start in a no-name party. Yeah. You know, how, how can they, anyway, I have an opinion about that. You put a name on and it has a name. Yeah. But I, I say, let's put Kennedy up on that. Yeah. But, but, but the people who are pretending they're going to have a new party and they're going to control it, what if you just get the, the moderates, uh, the middle of the rotors of the Democrat and the Republican Party, and, they, <clears throat> and the Democrats give up on civil liberties and anti-war, yeah. and the Republicans give up a little bit on, on economic part. You could have the worst set the of worst party. Uh, So <laughs> instead of uh, pre pretending that uh, personal liberty should be understood yeah. and government should be minimized, <laughs> then we'd all be a lot better off. You know, I kind of joked on my Twitter page over the weekend about this RFK being denied protection. I said, well, maybe RFK, maybe you better double, you know, think this over because I don't know if you want federal agents being armed around you considering history, oh, right? Yeah, so that, I don't know. That, is, that is a sad truth. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. So I'm going to close up here, Dr. Paul, if you're okay with that. And that's just go ahead and go to my very last <coughs> clip here because... Today is your last day for our early bird special for September 2nd Ron Paul Institute Conference in Washington, D.C. Now, not in D.C., but at Dulles, which is away from D.C. A lot of people don't want to go into the belly of the beast. This is uh, the belly button of the beast, so it's a little bit away from it. Um, go to ronpaulinstitute.org, and I will put a link in the description. Uh, and get your tickets. Take advantage. Uh, there's just, you know, it's not an enormous discount, but hey, every bit helps. There's a discount. It does end at midnight tonight. Uh, so get those tickets. We had a lot of sales over the weekend, which I was very happy to see. Get the tickets. Come see us uh, early next, just a little over a month away, believe it or not. Uh, and we're going to have uh, our seventh conference in D.C. Good. Very good. 
I, I want to close with trying to sort out in you know, my own mind and help other people to think about it. And the idea is, uh, you know, why why is it that people don't understand, uh, you know, what liberty is all about? And it's always leading to those individuals who grab power and uh, they want to hold and control the money and therefore the people sometimes are blackmailed into it. Just think of our attack on our First Amendments uh, right now through social media. And it's always done in the name of taking care of uh, these bad people who are going to sending out misinformation and we have to make sure to take care of it. So they sacrifice things. The one thing that I always remind myself of when I'm trying to sort things out is I think one of the most fantastic words to use when you're trying to sort uh, the issue out when people have disagreement is don't do anything with anybody else that they don't want to if they haven't hurt you. Everything should be voluntary. And, oh, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Now, nobody can force somebody else what to do. What does that mean? That means in social matter and personal matters, you can't tell people how to live. Uh, you, you can't tell people what uh, their uh, spiritual beliefs have to be. And you can't do that in economics. You can't tell people you have to buy these goods or we're going to blackmail you or do something to you. And, uh, and, and we can't, uh, you, you know, not use the principle on the foreign policy. We should always work to do things voluntarily rather than marching in with the troops, having another coup, and then thinking that it won't last. Don't, don't, uh, don't involuntarily destroy the value of money. We were admonished not to do that. So mo most of these things can be sorted out, but a lot of times people are bent on really making sure that they can maximize their power and maximize their control. And uh, this, this, of course, leads to a system where people become poorer and less free. And that serves nobody's real purpose on the long term. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.